0: Thank you. If you would stand, we'll get started with our service. Lamentations 321 says, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consume, uh, consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It's good to be back in the Lord's house today. Uh, John, would you open us in order, please?
1: I'm sing in page 232. Tell me the story of Jesus.
0: What can I give you? Lord, what can I say? I know there's no
2: First Samuel chapter nine, if you would please, in your Bibles, first Samuel chapter number nine. First <clears throat> Samuel chapter number nine. Well, consider today this thought the godless leader of God's godless people. It took me a long time to work on that. Uh, but a few weeks ago, when we were in chapter number 8, we talked about that God's people uh, had rejected God as their God. Um, and that was, that was the main problem. That's why they rejected Him as king, as because they had a very low view of God. And so these were God's people, uh, but they had rejected God. Uh, that, was, that was their characteristic, that they, they did not want Him uh, to be their king. They did not want Him to be their leader. And so these are God's godless people. And we find today that these people, as they are now uh, being given their request, uh, that they desired a king, an earthly king to rule over them. And they're now uh, in chapters 9 and 10 and 11 and 12. We find the story of Saul being uh, coronated and being, uh, being put into place as the first earthly king of Israel. Uh, and we see that God's, uh, that God's leader that he put in place was uh, a godless leader. And, uh, and we'll see that today as we consider First Samuel chapter number 9. Look with me in verse number 1, please. Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Ab- Abiel and the son of Zeror, the son of Bacorath, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he, from his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. And the asses of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to Saul, his son, Take now one of the servants with thee, and arise, go, seek the asses. And he passed through Mount Ephraim, and passed through the land of Silesia, uh, of uh, but they found them not. They passed through the land of Shalem, and there they were not. And he passed, through, he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they found them not. And when they were come to the land of Zeph, Saul said to his servant that was with him, Come, and let us return. Let my father leave, caring for the asses, and take thought for us. And he said unto him, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither, peradventure, he can show us our way, that we should go. Then said Saul to his servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is spent in our vessels, and there is not a present to bring to the man of God. What have we? And the servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have here at the hand the fourth part of a shekel of silver that I will give to the man of God to tell us our way. Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come, and let us go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. Then said Saul to his servant, Well said, Come, let us go. So they went into the city where the man of God was, and as they went up the hill to the city, they found young maidens going out to draw water, and said unto them, "'Is the seer here?' And they answered them, and said, "'He is. Behold, he is before you. Make haste now, for he came today to the city, for there is a sacrifice of the people today in the high place.'" As soon as ye uh, become into the city, ye shall straightway find him before he go up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he come, because he doth bless the sacrifice, and afterwards they eat that be bidden. Now therefore get you up, for about this time ye shall find him. And they went up into the city, and when they were come into the city, behold, Samuel came out against them for to go up. To the high place. We'll stop our reading there, but we will consider uh, the entire chapter uh, this afternoon as we think about this the godless leader of God's godless people. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be uh, back here this afternoon in your house. And I I ask, Father, that you would uh, please help us as we consider uh, this beginning uh, of the narrative of the life of Saul and uh, help us to uh, understand who Saul was, that we might learn uh, from him. And, uh, Lord, help us to become more like you because of what we find in your word. And, Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We find that uh, that Samuel has uh, has now begun to uh, look for a king. Uh, Saul, God told Samuel that that there would be an earthly king, and that uh, and you remember in chapter number eight that God says, Samuel, they're not rejecting you uh, as being king; they're really rejecting me. And so now uh, Samuel is on the lookout uh, for who would be the next earthly king uh, of Israel. And we come to chapter number nine, and 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 just right off, we're introduced to uh, a family uh, from the tribe. Of Benjamin, verse number one. Now, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, and goes through a few of the generations. And we find that this man's name is Saul. He's a, he's a Benjamite, he's from the, from the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin was a smaller tribe uh, located uh, near the sou- southern border of the, uh, of the area of Israel. And uh, Benjamin had quite an interesting history. Uh, as you look back in Genesis 49, you don't have to turn there, uh, but, but Benjamin was given a blessing by Jacob, his father, and uh, I guess you could call it a blessing because Jacob said of Benjamin that they would be uh, like a ravening wolf. That, that's a pretty cool, pretty cool description, uh, but it, it's kind of double-handed, right? It's a ravening wolf is not necessarily a good thing. It's certainly a powerful thing, right? Uh, you find a wolf that's hungry, they're going to go after anything. Uh, and so, but also there 's a negative aspect to it, and and we 'll see some of that as we consider uh, in the book of judges verse uh, in chapter number uh, twenty of judges, we find this description here uh, and we, i won 't go into all of the story uh, because it 's quite a colorful story, but as you read through judges eighteen and nineteen and twenty, uh, you find that the tribe of Benjamin was involved in some uh, some very intense sexual immorality and, and, and some of those things, and so we find the description though of Benjamin here in chapter. 20 verse number 12 of Judges it says this the tribes of Israel sent men unto uh, through all the tribe of Benjamin saying what wickedness is this that is done among you now therefore deliver us the men the children of Belial which are in Gibeah that we may put them to death and put away the put away evil from Israel but the children of Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of the brethren of the children of Israel but the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together uh, to go out to battle against the children of Israel and so we find that the children of Benjamin specifically, this tribe of Benjamin, uh, was involved in this sexual immorality, and when the rest of the people of Israel said, we need to cast these men that are, that are involved in this, we need to cast them out, Benjamin said, we're not going to cast them out, and also we're going to fight you. Well, that's quite a terrible testimony, Right? To, to harbor that kind of sexual immorality within their tribe and to be okay with that. And this is the tribe of Benjamin now that we find in 1 Samuel chapter number 9 uh, that the family of Saul comes from. The, this tribe of ravening wolves who fights for sexual immorality. There was a man of Benjamin and he had a son, the, uh, the man's name is Kish, and he has a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. Uh, this means he looked real good. He was a good-looking good boy. He was real good-looking. That's, that's there was not a, a better-looking person than Saul. He looked real good. And not only that, but Saul was tall. That's his claim to fame. Saul was tall. Look at, look at the end of it. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. He was a tall, good-looking boy. He'd he'd be the star of every Hallmark movie. (laughs) Right? He would be. And he's a farmer. We'll find in the next few verses. So he fits well with the small-town farming boy in all of the Hallmark Christmas movies. But this was Saul. This was Saul from the tribe of Benjamin, the ravening wolf who fought for sexual immorality. This is who we're introduced to in chapter number 9. Now, we understand that Saul is about to be king uh because we're familiar with that but those who have never read that can you imagine this that that they're just reading along and they're introduced to this this person that that that's that is he's a good-looking a good-looking man and he's tall and uh, he's somewhat uh, uh, obedient to his father right look at the next few verses uh, in the asses of Kish Saul's father were lost and Kish said to Saul's son take now one of the servants and arise and go and seek them and he passed uh, through Mount Ephraim and passed through the land of uh, of Cilicia and they found but they found them not so they go through a different town and they still can't find them. they go through a different town, and so there's a small bit of perseverance that Saul has, uh, though it doesn't go extremely far, because after they don't find them in the third city, uh, Saul says, uh, he says this in verse number five, uh, Saul said to his servant, come let us return, lest my father leave caring for the asses and take thought for us, so what he's saying is, uh, let's go home so that my dad can, can care for us instead of his animals, he doesn't care about us right now. He just cares about our animals. But if we go home and we tell him, maybe he'll care about us. And so there is a small bit of perseverance and a small bit of obedience. Uh, but ultimately, uh, Saul, is, Saul is somewhat of a selfish being, a selfish person. Now, I imagine that would probably uh, coattail on the fact that he probably got whatever he wanted because he looked good and he was tall. That, that was quite a, quite a, uh, a, uh, a sought-after characteristic to be good-looking and tall. And so uh, he said, you know what, we're we're done with this. And so verse number 6, though, his servant says this, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Uh, You uh, remember a few weeks ago, uh, maybe you recall that uh, we talked about Samuel and that Samuel's legacy that we find from the book of Psalms is that he was a man of prayer. And that whatever Samuel prayed, uh, God went through with. God, God let Samuel uh, have, that, have those things that the Samuel prayed for. And, and this was the testimony that the servant of Saul picked up on. And I said that very specifically because Saul, didn't, uh, Saul did not know Samuel. He didn't know him. Which, maybe you're thinking, well, Israel's kind of a big area. That's true, somewhat of a big area. Except that Saul and Samuel live five miles apart. Five miles apart, and Saul had no idea who the man of God was, no idea what he looked like, but his servant knew. And I'm glad his servant was there, but Saul had no idea. And so, look at the next verse. Then Saul, uh, so the the servant says that uh, there is a man of God. He's an honorable man, and now let us go thither. Peradventure he can show us our way that we should go. Uh, notice that they're just they're still only concerned about their donkeys. That that's all that they're concerned about. They're going to the man of God and they don't say, you know, we need to go. And we need to get some encouragement. We need to go get some spiritual leading. We don't need any of that. What we need is for the man of God just to tell us what city we need to go to. That's all we need from him. We just need some direction about where to find our animals. And so Saul says, verse number seven, well, if we go, we're going to have to give him something. We're, we're going to have to. We're, we can't just come empty handed. It's possibly that could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. Uh, I, I tend to think it's more of a, a selfish thing that Saul says, well, if it's going to cost us something, maybe we shouldn't do it. If it's going to cost us, it's, if it's going to come at a personal cost, maybe we should just go for, forego this thing. Uh, but the servant reaches into his pocket and he says, oh, you know what? I have a little, I have a little coin. Maybe we can give that to him. Very, very little sacrifice on his part. It was just whatever they had on hand, let's, let's just, that, that'll be okay, right? That, that'll be fine. Uh, we'll just donate all of our used stuff so that people can benefit from it, right? You all know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Verse number nine uh, just gives a little bit of narration that, that, it, that before time in Israel that, uh, that, that the prophet was called a seer, and, uh, and so then verse number 10, Saul says, well, that's, that's fine. Let us go, and we'll go to the, and they go to the city where the man of God was. And so they go, and they start going toward uh, Ramah, where, where, Saul, where Samuel lives. Uh, and they, they meet some young folks. They meet some young maidens there, and they're going to get some water. And so they ask, well, is, is Samuel here? Is the seer here? And they said, you know what? Coincidentally, he is here, and he's about to make some sacrifices. And so uh, it's, it's really good timing that you're here, because you can go and meet him. And you can go and ask him your question. And so, so verse number 14, they go up to the city. And when they were come, uh, then Samuel came out against them for to go up to the high place they meet as Samuel's on his way to do the offering. Verse number 15, where we stopped our reading uh, at the beginning. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before that Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines, for I have looked upon my people because their cry is come unto me. And so Samuel and God are in in conversation, and God says to Samuel, uh, the people have rejected me from being king, but tomorrow about this time, uh, there's going to be somebody that you will meet, and this is the person that you're going to anoint. And notice how God says it here, as the captain of the people of Israel. Uh, now we understand that, 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 that Saul is anointed as the king, but I think that God is, is trying to tell Samuel that, that while Saul would be an earthly king, there would still only always be one real king of Israel, and that was God himself. That while Saul may lead the people against the hand of the Philistines, and while Saul may fight their battles, and while Saul may uh, technically reign and sit on the throne, that ultimately and always God would be their ruler that God would always be their king in, in, in reality. And so uh, just one more time, he says to Samuel, he, he's the captain over my people. But notice this, and a couple of weeks ago I brought from the verse in, uh, in, in Hosea chapter number 13 that God said to Hosea that in his anger he gave the people a king. But notice the other side of that here in verse number 16 where it says, For I have, I have looked upon my people, because their cry is come unto me. And, and while God is angry, and, and, and this is maybe difficult to understand, it's difficult for me to understand, that at the same time that God was angry at his people, he also had a heart of compassion for them. He also had a heart of compassion. Uh, the, this phrase, looked upon my people, is a similar phrase that, that is used in the book of Exodus when God looks at his people who are in bondage, that he looked upon his people and he was, he was moved with grief. He, 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 he saw their sorrows and he saw their troubles and he was moved with compassion. And at the same time that he was angry, he had compassion on them. And that's how God works sometimes. And so I've looked upon my people because their cry is coming to me. And so then verse number 17, Samuel saw Saul, and the Lord said unto him, Behold, the man whom I spake to thee of, the same shall reign over my people. So Samuel is walking along, and Saul comes up, and God says to Samuel, Behold, that's the guy. That's the guy who's going to reign over my people. And the word reign there has a negative connotation. It's not the same. Uh, it's not uh, exactly reigning like a king. It's reigning like a, like a taskmaster. And you remember that God, t- God warned the people of Israel that if they had an earthly king, that the earthly king would, would take everything from them. He would take their sons, and he would take their daughters, and he would take their vineyards, and he would take uh, all of their servants, and he would ultimately he would take them. Uh, that he would take everything from them. And, and that's kind of the idea that we have here. That God says, uh, this person, this is the person I told you of. And this same sh- person shall reign over them. Reign with, with an iron fist. He, he will reign. He will drive them hard. He will drive them hard. And so S- Saul draws near to Samuel in the gate and says, Tell me, I pray thee, where is the seer's house? He's talking to the seer. He doesn't know it though. He doesn't even know Samuel. He said, tell me where the seer's house is. And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me into the high place, for ye shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let thee go, and tell thee all that is in thine heart. And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, don't even think about them, for they are found, they're taken care of. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? It is not on thee? Is it not on thee in all thy father's house? Samuel says, there's something way bigger at play here. Than just where your donkeys are, because the fact is is that all of Israel wants you to be their king. All of Israel, that could probably be quite a shock, probably be quite a shock to somebody. I'm just trying to look for my dad's livestock. That's all I'm trying to do here. He went looking for donkeys and he found a nation. I wouldn't make that trade. But that's what happened to Saul. Saul answered and said, "Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me?" Uh, I, I think Saul would have been pretty familiar with Benjamin's history. Uh, he would know that while Benjamin may have been a pretty small tribe, that Benjamin was, was ready to go to war at any time. That Benjamin was not just a small, uh, a, a small tribe that just let anything happen to them, but Benjamin was ready to go to war. Benjamin was a tough tribe, though they were a small tribe. And so he said, well, he, he gives an excuse. Well, I'm just from a really small tribe. There's no way that I'm going to be king here. There's no way that the people of Israel are going to follow me. And Samuel took Saul, verse 22, and his servant, and brought them into the parlor, and made them sit in the chiefest place among them that were bidden, which were about thirty persons. And Samuel said unto the cook, Bring the portion which I gave thee, uh, which I said unto thee, set it by thee. And the cook took up the shoulder that it that, that it was upon that which was upon it, and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Behold, that which is left, set it before thee, and eat. For unto this time hath it been kept for thee, since I said I have invited the people, so Saul did eat with Samuel that day. Samuel had created a meal and, invited, and had invited about thirty people to come along and eat uh, for the sake of Saul being there. Saul, the future king of Israel, and they had set aside a certain amount of food that they were going to give Saul and they put him in the chief place. They were, gonna, they were going to honor him by, by giving him the chiefest of places uh, to put him in the highest seat, if you will. And so they set that aside and then Saul and Samuel and all these 30 people eat together and they eat a meal. Verse number 25, and when they were come down... From the high place into the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon the top of the house, and they rose early. And it came to pass about the spring of the day that Samuel called Saul up to the top of the house, saying, Up that I may send thee away. And Saul arose, and they went out both of them, and he and Samuel abroad. And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on. But stand thou still a while, that I may show thee the word of God. And so Samuel is going to give Saul some extra instruction as, uh, as Saul begins to look at becoming the king of Israel. And Samuel is going to instruct him in the word of God and what God desired for him and, and to give him some of those things. And We'll look at that in chapter 10 when we get there. Uh, but we find that, that the story stops here. It will stop our story here uh, in chapter number 9. And so we find, though, that the beginning of the story of Saul is this, that there is a godless person, who is put in charge of God's godless people. That's what we find. Because we won't take time to read all the verses all again, but if you, read, if you take time and read through it, you'll notice there's a lack of one's particular characteristic in the life of Saul. We find that he's somewhat obedient, he's somewhat perseverant, he's pretty good looking, he's tall, and that's it. That's the characteristics of the servant of God that God was going to have to rule his people. There's no mention that Saul had a relationship with God. There's none of that. Saul was not a spiritual person. He was pretty selfish. He looked out for himself. He said, you know, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop looking for my dad's donkeys because I want him to care about me. Uh, he wasn't really concerned about giving toward the man of God because uh, he said, well, we don't have anything and we have to, we have to go, then we're going to have to give something, but we don't have anything, so we might as well not go. And it was the servant's idea to go look for the man of God. It was the servant's idea that said, well, I do have something that we can give. Why don't we just go ahead and go? And we see that as we go through chapters 10, 11, and 12, that there are some times when Saul follows God, but, but at, the, at the end of the day, at the beginning of Saul's story, I think we find that Saul at his heart was somebody who was not spiritual, but was selfish. That had no relationship with God. Notice, notice the characteristics of Saul that he didn't have a relationship with God. That show us he didn't have a relationship with God. Uh, number one is that he did not actively seek God for himself. He didn't actively seek God for himself. He said, I'll just let someone else do it. I'll just let my parents have a relationship with God. I'll just, I'll just let my youth pastor have a relationship with God that benefits me. I'll just let my pastor have a relationship with God that benefits me. I'll just let my friends have a relationship with God that benefits me. But I'm not going to do it myself. Uh, I, I'm not going to actively seek God. I, I'm not going to take time to read my Bible. I'm not going to take time to ask the preacher questions. I'm not going to take time to pray. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm not going to actively search for God myself. I hope that's not a characteristic of your life. But that's the life that Saul lived. He he didn't actively seek God for himself. I'll let someone else do it. He did not actively seek God. He was okay with others sacrificing. He was okay with others sacrificing. As long as I don't have to as long as I don't have to give any money toward it, then I'm okay. As long as I don't have to give shekels of silver, then then I'm fine. Uh, as, uh, I'm reminded of, uh, when I was in high school, we had a missionary come to our, to, to, our, uh, school, I went to Christian school and he came and he preached and he told us that, uh, that, uh, he, he, he had a friend that was, uh, he felt like God was trying to call him to preach. He was a successful person, uh, in, in, in a secular work field and he was, he was, but God was working on him and, and he was, he was fighting it. And so ultimately at the end of the day, uh, this man said this, here am I Lord send somebody else. Here am I, send somebody else. As, as long as I don't have to go to Bible college, I'm fine. As long as I don't have to give another, as long as I don't have to give more for the Christmas missions offering, then I'm okay. Let somebody else do it. Somebody else can help our missionaries. Somebody, help, somebody else can help the, the church. Somebody else can give. Somebody else can do that. Somebody else can go. Someone else can be a missionary. But no personal seeking God, and no personal going after what God said. No sacrificing. Uh, Somebody said that giving isn't really giving until it hurts. I don't don't know how true that is, but it certainly does give us a, a picture that we are far more often not sacrificing the way that we should. Far more often than we care to admit. That far often we keep more than what we sacrifice. But To whom much is given, much is required. And we certainly have been given much, haven't we? Saul did not actively seek God. Saul was okay with others sacrificing. Saul was unfamiliar with the man of God. He was unfamiliar with it. If you've never talked to our pastor, he's a great guy to talk to. He's a great guy to talk to. If you ask him what he knows, he'll always tell you this. It takes a big turkey to weigh 100 pounds. He knows more than that, though. He knows more than that. But Saul was unfamiliar with Samuel. He lived only five miles away. He didn't even know what he looked like. He didn't even know anything about him. It was his servant that said, this is the guy that I've heard about that God does stuff for. But Saul had no recollection of who the man of God was. None. Which means this, that he didn't ask the man of God for advice, for spiritual matters, He didn't ask the man of God for help uh, for anything. The only thing that he went to the man of God for, and even when he did approach the man of God, was, I need some help finding my donkeys. That's it. That's all that he went for. And so, but part of a relationship with God is understanding the leadership that God has put in in your life. That's part of a relationship with God. And not just the man of God, but God has put many people of authority in your life. Many people. And so part of submitting to God is submitting one to another, right? We talked about that in Ephesians chapter number 5. That part of being filled with the Spirit is submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And so this was Saul's life, that he did not actively seek God. He was okay with others sacrificing. He was unfamiliar with the man of God. And then we also see this, that he was reluctant to accept God's plan by giving excuses. Samuel said, you're going to be king uh, and all of Israel has its desire on you, but what did Saul say? I can't do it. I'm from a small tribe. I'm from Benjamin. Uh, my, my dad's a farmer. Uh, he, you know, we're the least of the, uh, My father's family is the least in the tribe of Benjamin, and Benjamin is the least of the tribes in all of Israel. So it doesn't make sense that you're talking to me. I, I don't want to do it. Now, we see a reluctance through the rest of uh, the rest of the beginning of Saul's uh, Saul's uh, coronation here in the next four or five chapters that we see that Saul is pretty reluctant, and we find this because he gave excuses. He gave excuses. Well, I don't have time. I don't have time to tell somebody about the Lord. Uh, I, I I'm I'm too scared to do that. Uh, I don't have time to come up to the church and help. Uh, I I don't have time to come to afternoon service, even though we're already here for morning service. And we're already here for lunch. But I don't have time for that. Uh, we, we've got too much stuff to do. Uh, it's excuses. And, and we find this all through the Bible. You remember Moses? Uh, Moses was used by God, but he tried to get out of it. He said, well, you know, God, you, you remember that uh, I'm slow of speech. You remember I don't really talk well. Uh, you, you, you don't want me to be the leader of Israel. That's not what God was concerned about. God said, I want you to do it, and I'm going to help you do it. And so Saul said, well, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm just part of the smallest family in the smallest tribe of all of Israel. There's no way you're going to use it. But if God said that Saul was going to be king, then Saul needed to be king. And if, if God wants you to do something, there's not an excuse in the world that is going to overtake the reasoning that God has for choosing you to do it. There's not a single excuse that's going to make up for that. If God wants you to do it, you have a responsibility to do it. Because if you don't do it, Either somebody else is going to do it that wasn't called to do it, or it's not going to get done. That's what's going to happen. And so, do you have a relationship with God? I'm not saying that you all are going to be the king of Israel, right? Israel doesn't have earthly kings anymore. They have prime ministers, uh, and God is, their earthly ki- God is their king, ultimately. So I'm not saying that you're going to be kings of Israel or queens of Israel, but I am saying this, that I, and I hope that you all desire to be servants of God. And that's what Saul was ultimately, a servant of God. And so as a servant of God, you need to have a vibrant relationship with him. It's imperative. If you do nothing else in this life except for a relationship with God, you're okay. But if you do a lot of stuff and and don't have a relationship with God, it's not going to end up well. It's not going to. And we find that Saul's uh, kingship, while it lasted for a long time, it lasted for 40 years ultimately, it amounted to not much, and God took him away from the throne because there was not a relationship with God. You can be a, you can be a member of this church for 40 years and not have a relationship with God, and it's not going to end well. There will not be a legacy to have. There will, not be, there will not be the benefits that would come from having a real relationship with God. And so I want to ask you, do you actively seek God for yourself? That's part of having a relationship with him. Do you actively seek him? Are you okay with others sacrificing or do you sacrifice? Do you sacrifice? Uh, are you familiar with the man of God? Are you familiar and submissive to the authorities that God has placed in your life? And are you reluctant to accept God's plan or you do, do you go full force with it? Say, God, whatever you want, that's what I'm going to do. We find an example from Saul that he was a godless leader. Of God's people, but you don't have to be a godless servant. You don't have to be. You can be a good servant that follows Jesus Christ and has a relationship with Him. Father, thanks so much for everything given to us. And Father, uh, certainly every one of us could uh, could and does need help with our relationship with you. There's there's not a single person in this entire room that has the perfect relationship with you. And, uh, Lord, none of us have attained, uh, but, Lord, we do press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, as Paul said in Philippians. And so, Lord, I ask that you would help every person in here, that they would evaluate their relationship with you, and that they would make, uh, make changes where it's necessary. And I ask that you speak to our hearts, and, uh, Lord, help us to become more like you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As the piano begins to play, as we stand to our feet, how is your relationship with God? Everyone's needs work. Everyone's does, and so as uh, as uh, Jay sings, verse number one of "Have Thine no Own Way, Lord." If the Lord's done business with you, come. Thirteenth, and we'll be acknowledging our veterans. And be a special service. Hope you'll be uh, making time for that. Uh, then on the fourteenth of November, uh, that Monday at eleven thirty, there's gonna be a Thanksgiving luau uh, for the senior saints that is hosted by the Homeschool Co-op. And um, so be sure to let Miss Alice or me know um, if you're going to be there so that they can get a head count. And then um, we'll have a youth rally. Uh, on November 18th in Mission uh, over at First Baptist Church, and so be sure to be here or drop off your kids at 6 o'clock that Friday, and uh, we'll be back around 10 o'clock or so, maybe 1030 uh, and then the Lord's Supper service, Tuesday, November 22nd at 7 o'clock for uh, the members of the church. And then we'll not have evening church on uh, the 23rd on Wednesday. So uh, be sure to keep those in, uh, in, in remembrance. And then as well, uh, our Christmas missions offering, December 4th. I always look forward to uh, being uh, uh, participating in that. And so December 4th will be the day that we collect money uh, to help the missionaries sent out of our church. And so I uh, hope that you'll pr- prepare for that. All right, let's close in a word of prayer. uh, Brother Stephen, if you would, please.
0: Help us to never come to church and uh, forget to
2: acknowledge the fact that we need you in each and every service, Lord. I pray that we would uh, apply what we've learned and not just uh, be hearers only, but doers of the word. And I just thank you for the messages that we heard today. Pray that you would help us to become more like you each and every day. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Yeah.